All right, so last week, last week I started teaching on, uh, on giving. We call it tithing, we can call it giving. It's, it's actually giving. We looked at the Old Testament, we looked at some principles. And I was going to get to the New Testament last week, but this is a whole different, this is in the New Testament, but it's turned into a whole different sermon rather than finishing off the last week's sermon. Because there's all the principles, or, you know, all that we want to cover is pretty much here in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. And uh, let's pray before I forget, because I got an introduction here. Let's pray. Amen. All right, so 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, I think I've preached on this a couple times. It's online. I can't deny it. But this passage covers what you want to know about New Testament giving. Uh, We looked last week, we looked at some principles from the Old Testament. You know, as far as doctrinally, we're we're dispensational. I'm a dispensational preacher. If you're here, this is a dispensational church just because I'm the preacher. But uh, we, we rightly divide the word of God and the first division anyone makes is Old Testament, New Testament. It's understanding that when Jesus Christ died, the law, and, and I think I'm going to teach that next in Sunday school when we get done with Samuel, but preaching on the law, the flesh, and the spirit and things like that. You can never get enough of that. Because every day you walk out there, you got to deal with the flesh and the spirit. But... Uh, you know, we, the, the law was done away with when Jesus Christ died. He fulfilled the law. Yet when we, we look at the Old Testament, we're still to learn from it. And we still have, see how God deals with his people. And we see how God responds to his people. So in the Old Testament last week, we looked at some principles that God laid out. We looked at how God dealt with the Israelites. We looked at tithing. We looked at uh, Abraham before the law was given. He gave tithes. We looked at Jacob uh, before the law was given. He offered tithes to the Lord uh, for the building of the house of the Lord. And uh, here this week in 2 Corinthians, if you remember the church at Corinth, they're not exactly the model church. Because in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul is ripping them for one thing or another. I mean, he's getting on them. Are you not carnal? He said, I would teach you more, but you're carnal. You know, you're fleshly. You, you desire one preacher over another. You say, well, we follow Paul. I follow this. He, no, you're supposed to follow the Lord. You're not supposed to gather up behind a man. You can follow a man, but only as far as he follows the Lord, only as far as he sets the example. And it's to be Jesus Christ. I was talking to somebody this week and, you know, I, I said, they kind of gotten out of church and I said, look, your relationship with Jesus Christ is all important. Your relationship, your personal relationship with God is all important because as soon as that church betrays you or as soon as somebody in that church makes you mad, as soon as that church says or that preacher says something that puts you sideways, you leave that was your only fellowship with God, and you're in trouble. If you're relying on other people to create your fellowship with God, you're in trouble. Because then you're going to church, and you're looking for a feeling. And you want to get up there, and you want to sing praises until you're lightheaded, and you think that's spiritual. Oh, that's running out of breath. I tell you, when God gets a hold of your life, there's joy in your life. And there's, there's things that draw you to his word, and, and you just kind of see God organize things and set things up. 
And tithing or giving, I'm going to say giving, is one of those things where when you set your mind toward it, you begin to see God work in your life. And, and, and you know, somebody said, well, you're trying to manipulate me. Okay, help yourself. Hang on to it. Okay? Here, let, me, let me tell you this in the beginning. I don't care who you give to. But if God's telling you to give to the man on the side of the street, if God's telling you to give to somebody down the street, if God's telling you to send to this missions, you better be doing what God says. So let's just take that whole specter out of this. Let's take that whole fog over this. You, you give, yeah, you give to the church, we can do things and we can take care of the bills and we need to. But I tell you what, if, if this isn't fit to give to, the Lord will just shut it down. And we'll all just have to go somewhere else. That's just the way it is. If it's not worth giving to, and I'm not up here, so I'm, I'm just trying to say, because I, I hate preaching on giving. But I also know from my own life how important it is and what a blessing you're robbed of if you won't do it. So in 2 Corinthians, things are a little better than they were over in 1 Corinthians. And Paul's talking them to them more in fellowship now. You know, now he's, he's uh, if you were to look at, you don't have to, but over in 2 Corinthians uh, 7, 8, he says, for though I made you sorry with a letter, he's talking about the first letter. He said, I do not repent, though I did repent. He hated to tell him that. It hurt him to tell him those things. And uh, he said, for I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. They got mad. They got upset. Paul hated to do that to them. You, don't, you, you want people to be happy, right? You want to cheer them up. You want to build them up. But Paul had to tell them, look, you got to get these things out of your church. And it hurt. He said, verse number nine, now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive damage by us in nothing. And then verse number 10, there's one to memorize. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. So that's the context here over in 2 Corinthians. And he's talking to them. And when you look at chapter number 8, about a year ago, the church at Corinth had made a commitment that they were going to give money to the churches at Jerusalem if they were going to help them out. We're going to look at a little bit of that this morning if I can stay on track. <coughs> but uh, let's look at uh, chapter number 9 before we get all sideways. He says, For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. In other words, it's, it's kind of unnecessary for me to tell you about this, but I'm, I'm going to tell you about it. He said, for I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Now, it seems that a year earlier, the, the church at Corinth, they were excited to give, but they hadn't gathered everything together, and things went a little slower. What might take a month now took a year back then. But they, they were gathering the money together, and Paul's reminding them of this. And they were so excited to give that their zeal affected other people. So let me get my points in here. So we don't get lost. 
when we, when we look at it, there's three things I want you to know today. Number one, give on purpose. Give with passion. And number three, give for praise. Give to get praise. You understand that? So give on purpose, give with passion, and give to get praise. We'll get that out of the way. So he says, I know the forwardness of you, and their zeal hath provoked very many. So number one, when you give on purpose, when I say give on purpose, uh, when I do jobs, and, and I couldn't think of any other illustration, just because I'm not good with illustrations, but when I think of doing, when I'm at work, and we're running a cable or something like that, or we're, we're doing something, or anytime we do something around here, Charlie, you might have heard me, but we... We go to do something, and you can either make it done, and it'll still work, or you can make it right. You understand that? So you can, you can hang a cable between two spots, and it can sag in the middle, you know, and it's done. But it looks like an accident. It just looks like somebody just, that cable just kind of hanging. It just looks like an accident that it ended up there. Whenever I talk about doing something professionally or making it look nice, I say, oh, that looks like it was done on purpose. And it's the same way you're giving. You know, sometimes it's accidental giving. Oh, I got a dollar. Oh, I got two dollars. Whatever. It's an accidental giving. But it's when you give on purpose. Now, see, the church at Corinth, they'd made up their mind and said, we're going to give. And they had, they had waited a year, and Paul's writing to them, and he's saying, and we get a little further, he's, he's saying, I, I want to, I just wanted to let you know that we're going to be showing up, you know, so that you could have it all together, you know, lest, lest I was telling a big story when I show up with these people from Macedonia. Because all their zeal and excitement, look over in chapter number 8, we're going to be going back and forth. He said, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit the grace of God which bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, beyond their power, beyond what they were capable of doing. He said, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Verse number five, and this they did not as we hoped, but first gave of their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus. Um, there we go. Verse number nine, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. But... Uh, when he talked about the church at Macedonia, he talked about them giving above and beyond. I, my life's kind of limited, so I got to go other places to learn things. I was reading about an old preacher, and he was talking about missionaries overseas. He's talking about some of the embarrassing, his it, people gave so much of themselves, it was just embarrassing. It, it makes you feel bad. They give so much of themselves. He talked about... Uh, one, one missionary, they, they, or one place, they took, a church took up offering of white socks to send over to a leper colony over in Thailand. 
And they, they gave it themselves. They said, okay, we'll take that, but we require one more thing. We want a prayer list so that we can pray for you because that's all that we can do. And this is a leper colony over there. There was, a, there was another man traveling, and he saw a man out there with his son, and there was a plow in between them. The son was pulling the plow. plow. And he said, well, that's funny. And he said, well, actually it's not. They wanted to contribute to the church building, and all they had was that ox. They sold their ox to, to contribute to it. You know, and that's given of themselves. So the son's out there pulling instead of the ox. There was another one. And I'm not trying to push you guys. I'm just sharing this with you. Don't look at me sideways now. Don't get, you know, I'm not telling you to pull it out of empty pockets. We're going to cover that. But there was another woman, and these were just stories that I read, but there was another woman who had sold herself into slavery to raise money because that's all that she had. It's just embarrassing. And he's talking about the church at Macedonia. They gave over and above what they were able. And last week we were reading about the widow's might, right? God said, Jesus said, she has given all she had. All these out of the abundance of their wealth they gave, but she gave all that she had. So given on purpose. And then... uh, Verse number five, and this they did not as we hope, but first gave of their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. All right, so go back to chapter number nine. So it provokes others. So the Corinthian church was in their zeal, provoked the church at Macedonia. So when you give, it encourages other people to give. I get encouraged by the stories of you guys or, you know, when I talk to people and I find out, you know, well, I tell you a story I remember from when I was a kid. My aunt, when she was going to church regular, you know, and they, they, had, they were at the church. She said all they had was a $10 in their pocket, you know, and it's like, well, put it in the plate. Well, we're going fishing later. You know, the Lord told me to put it in the plate, 10 bucks. Put it in the plate, you know. They went crabbing. Lo and behold, they didn't have a crab net. You ever try to catch crabs without a crab net? It's a little more challenging. And it's like, the Lord's going to take care of it. The Lord's, you know, whatever. It, we'll, we'll, we'll fish. We'll do whatever, you know. At least we're having the time together. They get out to the spot, and uh, we used to call it Conkaways. I don't even know where it is now, but I just remember it was like a, an hour and a half driving down this non-road. <laughs> and I, never, I, I didn't like crabs that much to begin with, you know, but... Take, go, driving out there in a, a 80 Cutlass Supreme. That's not exactly an off-road vehicle. And uh, they get out to the spot. And lo and behold, they set up. There's a crab net somebody had forgotten. You know, I've thought about that at times when I've had a $5 bill in my pocket and later I can't find it. It's like, well, the Lord probably gave it to somebody that needed it. You know? But stories like that encourage other people. You know, it encourages you to know that the Lord's going to take care of you in a way. Christians are provoked to good works. They, you know, it's not just giving money, it's giving of yourself. Well, that's one of the things we're stingiest with is our own time, right? The other thing that it does is it proves. Look at uh, verse number three. 
He said, Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that as I said, you may be ready. So he sends them ahead to collect the money so that everything's taken care of when he shows up with the people from Macedonia. And when you give to God, he'd been bragging on them, and now it was time to put it all together. So when you give on purpose, not only does it provoke other people to give, but but it also kind of shows your relationship with the Lord. It, it, It shows... I don't know where I was going with that, but it was there. It was there to prove him right when Paul uh, showed up, and then giving giving on purpose takes preparation. He said, "Therefore, I thought it necessary." Verse number five. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof you had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as covetousness. It's a simple thing. Giving on purpose, giving on accident is, oh, the plate's coming around, what's in my pocket? Or, or oh, the man needs change. I don't have anything in my pocket. Giving on purpose is having something ready. It's just that simple. You know? Do I still have people looking sideways at me? All right. So not as of covetousness. Look at, uh, it takes preparation. He says, uh, Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren. Let me get back in here. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof you had noticed before that the saints might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. And I thought about this, and it's a little fuzzy with me. But the idea, there's this fine line in giving, right? And there's this fine line in receiving. And uh, it's the difference between covetousness. Paul's trying to tell them this isn't a shakedown. You know know what a shakedown is? I was at a meeting one time, a preacher meeting, you know, and they they weren't wrong. It takes a lot of money to put on a meeting like that. And, man, you got all the preachers, and you never know if you're going to preach or not, you know. And the young guys, they get to, during the day when it doesn't matter, they didn't have the big dogs at night. But I, I'll never forget the one meeting where they come around and, and they pass the plates. And these were the preachers doing it, not the pastor of that church, because they wanted to help the pastor of that church. And they passed the plates, and one of the preachers is up there passing the plate, and he said, come on now, we want that quiet money. <laughs> we don't want the money that makes noise in the plate. <laughs> Y'all know what the quiet money is? i tell you what. And, and they gave of what they have. We have. We'll get to that. Yeah, the quiet money. But it takes preparation. Not as of covenants. Paul wasn't concerned with getting his hands on the money. Rather, he wanted a good offering to give to the poor saints at Jerusalem as a matter of bounty. Also, he wanted the reputation of the Corinthians to stand before the visitors. <clears throat> and then he also... Uh, was willing to blame himself. Verse number four, he said, less happily if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared. We, that we say not ye. In other words, it's not your fault. It, it may be I oversold it. He said, but I just want to get it all together unless I've been bragging on you and it, it out of turn. 
he said, uh, should be ashamed in his confident boasting. All right, then next, or well, we're, we're rapid fire here. Next, you want to give with passion. And uh, that was the only way I could think to phrase it and stay in the peace. But, you know, when you're giving, let, let's look at it. Verse number uh, Let's read on verse number verse number six. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. Now this is a part where if you have been looking at me sideways, just get over it. Because I tell you what, if if that bothers you, just hang on to it. Because God loves a cheerful giver. And you know, it's not always, I'm going to be honest, it ain't always easy to be cheerful when it comes to giving. I know a time in our life, back in Thomasville again, I'm not going to talk about, you know, combat and roaches again. The folks that were here didn't come back, so I'm afraid to do that again. <laughs> you know, my mom called, and that, you know, she was talking to Didi. And I think that's the only thing she got out of that 45-minute sermon was roaches. <laughs> I want to let y'all know, number one, that was a rental house. Number two, we didn't realize how big the problem was till we started to take care of it. And that's, that was the result in the morning, and it shocked us just as much. And number three, that was a really bad illustration to bring up when we were going to have food over there. <laughs> Nobody stayed. <laughs> And I can't hardly blame them. Now, let me see if I can get back on topic. But giving with passion, he said, God loves a cheerful giver. But before we get to that, let's talk about reaping. He said, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. You remember when I took you over into Malachi last week? Some of y'all weren't here, but you'll listen to it online. When I took you into Malachi last week and uh, Haggai, especially over in Haggai, he said, you, you've put money into a bag with holes in it. He said, you've planted and not reaped. You know, you've, you've planted double, but you hadn't taken in much, you know. And there is a law. There's a principle in the Bible of sowing and reaping. Over in Galatians chapter number 6, verses 7 through 8, it says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now in context, it's talking about the flesh and the spirit. He said, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. So that's in the context of the flesh and the spirit. But that's a principle for life in anything. You go to your job and you don't put in much, you won't get much out of it. A farmer knows you go to the field, how much you plant is how much you're expecting to get. If the farmer plants a lot, then he's expecting to get a lot back. You sow much and you reap much. And uh, you just couple that with you can't outgive God. God moves it on your heart to give to somebody. I guarantee you won't mess out. You know, me and Dee, we have conversations and, and we always run a little close to the cotton on the money. 
But uh, we have conversations, and uh, I'm having deja vu. I may have mentioned this in the other two sermons. But, you know, you start to say, well, you've been working this extra job, but all it does is cover the money that we used over here. And then, you know, studying this, and it's like, wait a minute. Now I'm looking at this from the whole wrong angle. You've worked this extra job we gave over here. God's been providing and covering that, you know. And a lot of times we, we want to fill the piggy bank, right? But sometimes God's just giving you back what you already, you know, you can't outgive him. He's supplying your need. If you hang on to it, he'll probably say, well, that you got enough. <laughs> you want to sow sparingly? It's like, well, you know, you, you probably got enough. I don't need to mess with you. You just hang on to what you got there. And this isn't anything. And that's just, that's just the way it seems to me. You sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. God said, you just go ahead and hang on to what you got. I don't need it. But you, you really won't see me work in your life. And it's in getting into seed offering. I know I'm, I'm walking this tightrope, right? Oh, you give me your money, you plant the seed, God will bless you. Press down, shaking, you know, you got to be careful with that. But it's a principle. Why don't you try God out? Don't tell me about it. Uh, you know, tell me how it works out, but it's, it's just a principle of giving. All right? So, number one, you reap what you sow. You sow to the flesh, shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And you always reap more than you sow. Now, here it is, John 12, 24. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. And in the, in the context, Jesus was talking about himself dying and rising again from the cross. And we're the fruit of what Jesus did. In a spiritual context, it's the same. The seed goes into the ground, it bears much fruit. One seed bear a tree, which can bear seeds, which can bear more trees, and on and on. So you always reap more than you sow. Um, Yeah, I'll share this with you if I can get it right. Dr. Upman talked about when he was at Bob Jones University, and he said he was living in a plywood trailer. Now, this was years and years and years ago, you know, probably, well, I don't, I don't know the time frame. He just died a couple of years ago, and it was, he was 92, you know. That gives you an idea of the time frame. When he was going to Bob Jones University back then, he was, they were in a plywood trailer, and, and they just got to the point where they just didn't have food. He sent his wife and his kids home because there just wasn't enough. And he said he was in that trailer, and I can feel this because I've been there. But he was in that trailer, not quite as bad as this. And he, he went for like three days without food. He said he got digging in the cupboard. It was a rental trailer. He got digging in the cupboard. And one of the previous occupants had left some biscuit mix, <laughs> pancake mix, and a brown box, you know. He said he didn't have anything else put with it. He mixed water with it. You know, he said it tasted like paste. But he said he got a dollar from somewhere, and this will tell you how long ago it was. He got a dollar from somewhere. And as hungry as he was, he said, well, I'm going to make a commitment to give to the Lord. He put 10 cents in the cup, set it aside for the Lord. And he made a commitment not to touch it. And he said, it wasn't too long later, 
it, well, it was like the next day or something, there was a box of groceries on the porch. You know. You read, the, you read um, Mueller's story. You know, the, the, he had the orphanages. Uh, Mueller, I can't remember his first name off the top of my head, but man, he was a man of prayer, and he prayed for everything they needed. They were at breakfast one morning with the orphans. They didn't have money for milk. They didn't, they didn't have the milk. He prayed. Pretty soon a milk truck broke down outside, you know, and shows up, hey, I, I got to get rid of this. It's going to go sour. <laughs> We've seen it in our own life. Dee always corrects me when I tell this story, you know, after, after the fact. She'll probably do it again. But, you know, the story of her and uh, Caleb, you know, they're in the house. I had just started working. You know how long it takes to get that first check, right? It's like you get paid every two weeks, but your first time you hit that middle, <laughs> so you're going to wait three weeks. In the meantime, you got to get to work every day. But uh, they're sitting there. I don't even think we had our furniture yet. You know, and they're sitting there on the floor, and Caleb wanted a snack. And she said, well, we can't get one right now. And uh, she said, well, let's, let's pray for it. You know, let's pray and ask God to provide. And uh, they did. And pretty soon, Brother Manic from the church. And let me tell you about people provoking others to give. Uh, Brother Manic from the church showed up, and uh, one of his relatives drove a Debbie cake truck. And he shows up with a bag of those day-old Debbie cakes, you know. And if we're talking about after they pray to ask God to provide, God just shows up in things. You know, the giving, if you feel like you're being held over a barrel, if you feel like somebody's trying to squeeze you like a lemon, you know, don't do it. Hang on to it. Help yourself. But, uh, you know, you reap what you sow. You reap according to how you sow. Verse number six, he said, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. So if you only sow a little... You'll reap a small harvest. If you sow a bunch, you'll reap a big harvest. It's not the kind that makes you rich. That's where you're in. That's, that's when you cross the line. When you say, Lord, I'm going to give you this, and I want this. I'm going to give you this, and I know you're going to give me this. It's like the woman that showed up at the car lot when I was working there, and she said, God told me he's going to give me a car today. We ran the credit. said, well, God didn't tell the bank. <laughs> That, that 400 credit isn't going to get you much with no down payment. So you got to be careful about crossing the line, but God does provide. So you will reap. It may not be down here. Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now, that doesn't mean that every seed you sow is going to bear fruit. I tell you, I, I keep mentioning Dr. Ruffman because I was reading his commentary. I trust him. But, you know, he was talking, and he's a street preacher, and he was talking about going out and street preaching. He said, he said, I wish, I wish that a bunch of people would get saved every time I go out or every time I preach somewhere. He said, I wish there'd be like 15 people get saved. He said, there might be two or three, or, or a lot of times there's nobody. He said, but... God wants you to be faithful to do. You know, God kept telling him, you got to feed the sheep. Just feed the sheep. All right. 
Yeah, a quote. In business, men get rich by investing their money, not hoarding it. All right. And then give with passion. You reap. And in effect, it shows your relationship. Look at verse number seven. It said, every man, every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. This is a key part here. God loveth the cheerful giver. Now, sometimes people will sit on that, kind of like the ox in the ditch. You know, when Jesus talked about the, sometimes the ox is in the ditch on the Sabbath day. And some people kick the ox off into the ditch so they don't need to go to church. Another thing is, well, I don't feel, I don't feel cheerful about it. I'm going to hang on to it. You know, sometimes you just need to be honest with the Lord and say, Lord, I don't feel too cheerful about this, but I want to give. I want to, I want to be there. And uh, you got to trust him for it. Lord, change my heart. Be willing. You remember my favorite illustration? He, he's, he's brought his son to him. Off he cast himself into the fire. And, you know, he's, he's mad. And he said, can, can you heal him? And Jesus said, it, if you believe, I will. And he said, Lord, I believe. Help me thou mine unbelief. Be honest with the Lord. Don't protest against him. Don't rail against him. Just be honest. Lord, my heart's not right. Help me. Change my heart. He'll send you somebody. He'll send you something that will change your heart. And so every man according as he purposeth in his heart. The heart's the center. The heart is all of you. With a heart, man believeth unto righteousness. You know, just by saying a prayer, you don't get saved. The prayer is just to help you talk to the Lord. But it's with your heart. It's when you believe in your heart. When you got saved and you, you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, it was from the heart. It's saying, Lord, I... I I trust you. You died on the cross for my sins. And because you died on the cross, I to accept that gift, Lord, I, I'm trusting you. And I found out the longer I live, the more it's faith. Lord, I've got to trust your word. I just have to place my trust in what you said that when I die, I go to heaven. That when I die, I have eternal life. And the more I read this Bible and the more I see Jesus Christ from front to back, the more I rely on that, the more faith that I have that God will take care of. And I tell you what, those times that you give and you trust the Lord for it, it may hurt, but you just say, Lord, I trust you. Those times, I can't, I can't put that on your life. But I know when I look back in our life, I know I've seen it. Even when I've been unfaithful. Even when I wasn't given as much as I should, I knew better, you know, but you get in that downward cycle. You, you get in that part where you say, well, I just, we just don't have the money. We just don't. And, and sometimes you just don't. And let me say this before I forget. If you're in the position where it's either pay the rent or pay the church, you better pay your rent. I'm just going to say that. Somebody may not like that, but you're not going to be much of a testimony as a Christian if you give all your money away and you don't pay your bills. It's just you acquired those bills. If, if you want to do that, get rid of the bills some kind of way. But, you know, giving to the Lord is given as he's blessed you. Given such as you have. You know, God, God has prospered you in some way and it's just given of that. 
You know, I've seen an offer. I've seen three offering plates filled up. We went around the church. Now I know adults write checks. Okay, but I was helping. I was helping with the offering down in Thomasville, Georgia, when we were at church, and uh, I hadn't surrendered to preach then. We were just, you know, we found a church to go to, and we're handing out those plates. And it's on Wednesday night. And I noticed something because they had a lot of youth. You know, they had some kind of program, but they had a lot of youth in the middle. They had the three, three pews. And in the middle, all the youth sat together. And so I was handing the plate. The ones along the side, you know, you got this plate with a few things in it. That's where the adults were. Man, it took us three plates going through all those teenagers. There were dollar bills, there were quarters, there were just whatever they had. They were, and that plate, you know, <laughs> you, you had two of them full just from that one set of pews. They're giving them what they have, you know. All right, so every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Do you like when somebody just gives you something when they don't want to? Ah, oh, here, take it, you know. I mean, sometimes there's people that be grumpy just to be funny, but other times, uh, yeah, yeah, here. Well, thanks. You know, I'd, I'd just rather not have it. So some principles in New Testament giving. You, your willingness, number one, your willingness to give cheerfully is more important than what you give. Look over in chapter number eight. Just flip back, verse number 12. Verse number 12, he said, For if there first be a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according that he hath not. And, uh, you know, looking at, looking at somebody, you can look at somebody's paycheck, and you can say, well, you, you know, you didn't give. And they might have given all that they had left. They might have commitments you don't know about. It's between them and the Lord. I mean, it, once you start inspecting the sheep you become a sheep inspector you're in the wrong business you know the bible says who art thou that judges another man's servant to his own master he standeth or falleth yea he is able to hold him up you got to be careful about being sheep inspectors so your willingness to give cheerfully is more important than what you give and you should strive to meet your financial commitments verse number 10 and uh we're going to be in chapter number eight for a couple Give what you're able. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Strive to meet your financial commitments. And here they had the church at Corinth had made a commitment that they were going to give. And he's telling them, verse number 10, herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who have begun before, not only to do. They started to gather the money before a year ago but also to be forward a year ago. In other words, they've made a commitment. Y'all ever heard of promise cards? Y'all ever sign a promise? I know y'all been around. Yes. You sign a promise card to church. You say, well, I'm going to give this much. I hate the promise card. If, I'm sorry, but if y'all ever come up to me with that idea, I ain't going to do it. it. I just don't like it. Because number one, if they do make that commitment... They probably just made that commitment when they could have done more. Number two, if they can't make that commitment, all you've done is just trash them. 
it's better that you made that commitment each, each time with the Lord. But uh, they made a commitment. They said that they were going to give. And now I think they'll use this verse for promise cards. You know, they say, well, it helps us to do our budget. I think you're a fool if you rely on these promise cards for your budget. I don't know. I don't know that much about it. But the point being, they made a commitment. You make a commitment to the Lord over in the Old Testament. I can't grab the verse right now, but better when thou vowest to vow to the Lord, better to pay it than to, than to not. When you make a promise to God, it's better to pay it than not. It's better that you didn't promise if you don't pay it, then that you make a promise and don't keep it. So when you make a commitment to the Lord, keep your commitments to the Lord. And I'll add too, keep your commitment to your creditor. All right? If you give to others in need, they will in turn help you. Verse number 14, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. Now here, I've got my own story for this. I remember when we were going to Calvary Baptist Church, and this, this isn't building me up, you gotta understand, but we had the capability, pretty good job, you know, to where at the time, no more than we were paying for the house, and you know, the, with the money I was making at the plant, we had a pretty good income. <coughs> we're there at Calvary Baptist Church, and there's a young couple, and he'd been looking for work for a while. And, uh, I won't say his name, but he'd, he'd been looking for work for a while, and, I, and they had a new baby. And we knew, you know, how much that cost because we've, we've had a few. But I remember, you know, it's like they need diapers, you know. And the Lord laid it on my heart to get them a box of diapers, and we got them the big old case, you know. And it's, that's not bragging or anything because I want to tell you, explain this as an illustration we left that up there and left it in the bag no name no nothing but you know it wasn't a big church it ain't hard to figure it out and and i tell you what the joy the reward of just you know just seeing how much they appreciate it that was worth more than anything you know but the lord had laid it on our heart to do that for them and that's just a small thing but here within this he said but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. Now, some of you remember this story. Fast forward another year, another two years, I'd lost my job. We're there at that trailer house and, and all that Sam stuff that we, you know, that bulk stuff that we bought, it was starting to run out. And them cabinets were getting empty. Even the ramen noodle was gone. We're in there and, and, and just, we got nothing. We didn't call anybody. We weren't asking anybody. But, and, and we hadn't even talked to the folks at Calvary. We'd, we'd been going to another church when they got a new pastor. But uh, it just gets hard to tell. Because we're there in that house, you know, and we're, we're running out of food and it's like, what are we going to do? And next thing you know, there's a knock on the door and there's four or five people bringing in boxes of food. You know, here we were at the time a couple of years before we were able to buy and, and to help other people, you know, and it's not bragging because I didn't tell you about the other things, but to be able to help other people out of our abundance. 
And then later they were helping us out of their abundance. And, uh, man, it touches you. But you never know, you know. You, you've given, and I tell you what, it's a lot harder to receive sometimes than it is to give. I've learned not to apply uh, my mentality on other people because there's other people that are just flat wicked and mean, and I'm not, you know. <laughs> but not like that. But, uh, you know, you, you, you just to see it come around like that. So if you give to others in need, they had the opportunity maybe later to come back. And I, I got the pay it forward principle. You know, there's people that you give to that can't give back to you. And it's like, don't worry about it. You know, I'm not going to hold you over a barrel. I'm not going to want it. God, God will pay it forward, you know. Pay it forward to somebody else. When you get your job, you'll be in contact with somebody else that needs help. You'll have an opportunity to help them. All right, so if you give to others, then they'll supply it. Um, you should give as a response to Christ, not for what you get out of it. Uh, there's a direct relationship of giving to the love of God. Let me tell you something. When you're walking close to the Lord and you're listening to him and he tells you to give and you do, you know, you've got that fellowship with the Lord. It's, it's, it's an indication of how close you are walking to him. You look over in the book of James, James talks about works and faith, right? And uh, we won't get into all the doctrinal things, but James talks about, you know, you say you have faith and, you know, I have works. I'll show you my faith by my works. You know, it's your actions that show what's on the inside. When you give, you show what's on the inside. You don't do it for everybody else to see it, but it's a condition of the heart. Where is your heart is? Where your heart is, there your treasure will be. All right, you get back more than you give. You become a personal blessing to the person to whom you give it. Uh, verse number 12, you supply their need and they, hey, that's getting ahead, but you supply their need and they attribute it to answered prayer. Let's go back to first, Second Corinthians chapter number nine. There's more to this than I thought. We're just going to plow through. I hadn't done it in a while. Are y'all okay with that? Yeah. You know, when I first got here, I used to preach for an hour and a half. I told, I told Johnny, I said, I'm sorry. He said, I'm going to take a clock off the back wall just preach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you get for a reward. Second Corinthians 9, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Now, this is a promise. You know, God will equip you for what you need. God will provide for you. When you, when you give, you're trusting the Lord to take care of you. Uh, verse number nine, as it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor. That, that's a quote of Psalm 112.9. says, he hath dispersed, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness endureth forever, his horn shall be exalted with honor. So whenever you help out a poor Christian or a needy Christian, the Lord puts that act down as your righteousness. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. You want to do something cheerful? You want to give cheerfully? Do it as unto the Lord and not unto men. I got an application for that. 
You're on the side of the road at the stoplight on the feeder. You know what I'm talking about. There's the sign. There's somebody. Let me tell you something. If God's moved on your heart, and it's happened to me before, no matter how bad I it, <laughs> it. God moved on your heart. It's like, hey, you got that tin in your pocket. You know? And it's like, Lord, I don't know what they're going to do with this. You know what? It's not your problem. You know, it's a weird thing to say. It's not your problem. I've given to people, you know, and they, we're, we're, we're talking about giving in general. I, I've given to some people, and you could just tell they, they weren't even grateful. They didn't even appreciate it, whatever. I gave it to the Lord. And, you know, one day the Lord's going to testify against them with that, or it's going to be a blessing to them. It'll be a blessing or a curse to them. Because one day it's going to be like, well, Lord, you never did anything for me. Well, let me show you. You remember this one time? You were out there on the side of the road and you held up, you got the $10. You remember, you remember that church that helped you out? And that'll testify against them. And it's not that I don't want to be mean. It's just that at some point when you give, you got to let go and let God let God do it. When you give a gift, I, there's nothing worse than somebody's going to give you something. Well, what are you going to do with it? Sure. Well, I tell you what, you know, if I'm going to give you this, you, you're going to need to do this and that to it. Yeah. No, you can't just give it away. You know, you can't sell it. You can't. And it's just like, just keep it. If I'm going to be on a string for this, just keep it. When you give to the Lord, give to the Lord. You know, in the, in the church, we've got funds set up. And you give to those funds. And as much as possible and as much as we can, we stay faithful to that. And we haven't reached a spot where we got to shirk that. But that's why we have the funds, so that when we give money to something, you know that it's there and it's going toward it. If you get toward the building fund, it's building the building fund up. You know, there's nothing worse than to give in and you're giving toward missions or something like that. And then it just goes off the bills as long as we can afford the rest. But then there's this thing called a suggested donation. At some point, <laughs> if the church reaches a point of paying the bills or having the money in the mission fund, we're going to have to pay the bills. You know, you got to let go of it. Let God do what he's going to do with it. All right. I don't know if I got any sideways looks on that. I ain't looking. <coughs> Colossians 3.17 And whatsoever you do in word or deed do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Doing everything unto the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10.31 whether, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do do all to the glory of God. Let me tell you that is the heart. That is the heart of what I try to teach of what I try to preach. Your relationship to the Lord is more important than your relationship to any man. But your relationship with your fellow Christians is also kind of representative of your relationship to the Lord. And I can't stand being around them hypocrites. Well, good luck finding this church without the hypocrites. (laughs) That's kind of like going to the hospital and saying, you know, I can't stand being around these sick people. We're here to get cured of the hypocrisy. <laughs> now, some people are sicker than others with it. But we're here to get cured of the hypocrisy. You know, so oh, I don't want to fellowship around you. Some people get hurt 
and I always had that picture of the airplanes, you know, flying side by side, you know, and, and there you are, wingtip to wingtip, you know, you're both flying for the Lord, and then something happens, that flat comes from the ground from the devil, and you see that plane just spin out of control, you know. I don't want to be with those other airplanes. Okay. Now, here's the last one. Give to get praise. I'm leaving it like that. Give to get praise. And you say, well, Brother Keith, you're not supposed to let the left hand know what the right hand's doing, right? That's what the Bible says. And that's true. I'm not talking about praise for you. I'm not talking about you getting the praise. Look at verse number 10. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for the food and multiply your seed down and increase your fruits. Let's... uh. Let's look at this giving praise. Let me see something here. Verse number 11 is what I was looking for. It said, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. When you give on behalf of God, you cause people to be grateful. I'm forever grateful to Brother Manic that day. I wasn't even there. Indeed, he would have let me have I think I did get to eat some Debbie cakes back then. Indeed, he won't let me do it now. <laughs> you know, she'll, she's listening too, right? So, you know, she'll buy a cake and bring it home, sit there and eat it and dare me <laughs> to get near it because of the diabetes. But uh, um, that's just mean, y'all. Yeah. That's just cruel. I'm just going to say that while she can't do anything to me. <laughs> that's just mean. So. Uh, you have to sleep <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'll take the shell fire. Now, she's not mean, y'all. She's really not. I mean, other than that. That, that's mean. She's not mean. That's just cruel. So, when you give, it causes people to be grateful. And it gets God to praise. As I tell you what, you know, when, when we gave that day, the, you know, the diapers, I give you that example. When we gave, and he was so grateful to us. It's like, give God the glory. You know, because it's embarrassing. I've learned now just to say, well, you're welcome. And just, you know, because it hurt, it just, just, you're welcome. Take it. But God gets, you, God gets the glory. Because you don't know what conversation was taking place. You don't know what was going on in that person's life. All you know is the Lord said, hey, I need you to do this. How does that happen? Do you get mail? Do you get an email? Do you get a text? No, no, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it to you. It's just when you're walking, there's sometimes when God says, I want you to do this. And you say, Lord, are you sure? Okay. Well, I'll trust you for it. That's between you and them. And I, you know, we, we gave at a church at Calvary one morning. This, this woman came in with her daughter and, you know, we always had the breakfast thing. I started that and I liked it. But, uh, you know, go, go ahead and get you some breakfast. You know, she came in for Sunday school, and uh, she said, oh, that's so great, because we didn't know when we were going to eat again. 
oh, man, the violin started playing, you know. And then we gave her a love offering. And then later that week when I was going visitation, it's like, well, what would I get? Because I knew how to shop for her. What would I get if I only had about 10 bucks? Because you could buy a lot for 10 bucks. Now you get like one soda. But it will be soon. Yeah. yeah. I hear I hear Branks is going to start moving gas. <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, what would I get for 10 bucks? Well, we got some bread, you know, before we went on visitation, got some bread and some peanut butter and, jelly and some cereal and milk, you know, got those things. And we showed up at her house with the groceries because we had her address. And, and she comes out there, oh, which church are you from? And it's like, well, it was just Sunday. We found out from my friend's mom who went to the church down the road that she'd been down there. That was my first time learning about people to go to shopping at the different churches to cover things. It's sad. It hurts. That's why I say, you know, that's between them and the Lord. One day, it's going to testify against them. And, and what God is judging you on is what you do with it. What you do with what he gave you. You understand? All right. So, what was my point? It gives proof of God in your life. Verse number 11, being enriched in all things, to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. It gives praises to God on your behalf. Verse number 12, for the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is also abundant, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Verse 13, whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God, for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. So that takes us back to Brother Manic, right? I'm grateful for what he did, but God gets the glory. All he did was listen that day when, he, when his nephew said, hey, I got these devocates, you know anybody? And Brother Manic said, I know somebody down the road. He didn't know about the timing, God gets the glory for the time and God gets the glory for it. But he was faithful. And when you give, whether it's to the church, and I told you last week, I told you about our situation with the church when we started tithing as a church. And, and throughout the year, we gave 10%. Whatever came in, we gave 10% to these two organizations. And we're going to be talking about, we need a, we need a church meeting because I want to talk about taking on a missionary. But, uh, we, we gave part of the income, and we run a little close to the cotton here, you know. But uh, we, we gave that 10%. And throughout that year, we ended up buying or replacing an air unit that went out that was older. You know, we, it's like, well, do we trick the Freon or whatever or do a kid or, well, let's just get an air unit because we need it. It's just going to break again if we just try to keep this one going. But that air unit was about five grand. And then as we got going throughout the year, well, you know, all we know is that five grand's gone. But by the end of the year, lo and behold, somebody comes out of the woodwork. I won't tell you who, because that's, you know, left hand, right hand. But they've been given, and they still give every month. They don't even come here. And then at the, toward the end of the year, they gave us like 5000 it's like we lost nothing. When you look at the tithe, I think it was, what was it, Judy, about 5000 It was about 5000 that we gave out at 10% every month. Ended up. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
ended up being about 5,000 or so. Yeah, probably more. But we didn't miss any of it. You know, they'd been giving us so much each month, and then they gave us that. We, we didn't miss a thing. And it's not like we sat down and said, well, you know, eh, we'll probably get a donation from over here. Or, you know, it just, the Lord provides. And he'll do that for you. But guess who gets the glory? God gets the glory. Because he doesn't know, he doesn't know what the budget is. He doesn't know what we're doing, what we're not doing, or how bad, you know. But God gets the glory because they listened to the Lord and, and it helped us out. And it also gave me a good illustration. Giving doesn't always mean giving money to the church. Sometimes the Lord moves on your heart to help someone out. I think we've covered that. There's nothing, here's another quote. There's nothing like listening to the Lord when it comes to helping someone out and finding out that it was exactly God's will. Now that's my quote. Oh. Uh, in this, this isn't exactly in the sense of giving, but I remember uh, a relative of mine when he when he got saved and he was, you know, really tuned into the Lord and he was listening to the Lord. He's on his way home from work one day, and uh, there's a fellow out on the porch, and the Lord said, "I want you, to, I want you to go over there and pray for him." It's like I don't know this man from Adam, yeah. Well, I want you to go over there and pray for this man. So he stops the car and he's talks to the man. He says, look, I don't understand this. You go talking to strangers, that's between you and the Lord, but he said, he said, I don't really understand, but I feel like I need to pray for you. He said the man broke down in tears. He'd been, he'd been praying and asking the Lord for an answer. You know? It just, when you follow God's will, when, when you give, when God's moved on your heart, or when you do something for somebody and you find out that it's exactly in God's will, there's no reward like that on earth. Just seeing God work. You know, people say, well, show me God. Prove, prove me God. You know, God's got it set up. It doesn't quite work that way. Without faith, it is impossible please God because he that come to him must believe that he is and that's over in Hebrews chapter number 11 so not only does it get praise on God's behalf or it gets praise to God on your behalf but it also causes prayers to God on your behalf 2 Corinthians 9 14 and by their prayer for you which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. When you give, it encourages people to pray for you. And, you know, there's, there's selfish reasons to give. I would, I would love to have, I, and I know that I do, have folks praying for me. And you, you get, oh, we prayed for Brother Manny. And I just keep going back to that one illustration, but... It just encourages people in the Lord. And it, it lets people know that the Lord is real when you've been in God's will. Yeah? Yeah, we hadn't talked too much about giving to the church, have we? So, I, I just want to fix that. Box is on the left on the way out. <laughs> but you... But I've... <laughs> 
We take all kinds. You know what? You know what I found in my life? If I save up for the quiet money, I never give it over. But if I give what, you know, just give that might or whatever when the Lord speaks and, you know. Now, giving on purpose is one thing. The tithe, you know, it's a principle. But if I told you, you got to give your 10%, and then you stop there, and you say, well, I'm done. Man, it's giving. Try, try to give a little more. If, as God has blessed you, as God has blessed you, don't go out and take a loan. Don't go out and sell yourself into slavery. But as God, you sell your ox, that's up to you. But as God has blessed you. All right.